إنات الأعين وما تخفي الصدور وأنه تبارك وتعالى أحاط بكل شيء علما وأحصى كل شيء عددا فمن عرف نفسه باطلاع الله عليه ورؤيته له وإحاطته به فإن ذلك يثمر له حفظ اللسان والجوارح وخطرات القلب عن كل ما لا يرضي الله وجعل تعلقات هذه الأعضاء بما يحبه الله ويرضاه Another example of how knowing the names and attributes of Allah it increases you in your worship and your obedience Another example is that when you know that the name of Allah is As-Sami' and Al-Basir and He is Al-Alim Allah is the All-Seeing He is the All-Hearing He is the All-Knowing the All-Seeing, the All-Hearing, the All-Knowing when you recognize these names and attributes of Allah then you will understand that there is nothing hidden from Allah that Allah knows every single thing which means if you do something bad Allah will know and see if you say something bad Allah will know Allah is the all hearing the all seeing so when you recognize that and you know that Allah knows every single thing He is the all hearing He is everything you say He is the all seeing sees everything you do He is the all knowledgeable knows about everything about you then you will try and make sure that everything you say is only good because you know Allah hears everything you say and you will try and make sure everything you do the things you do in your life are only good things because you know Allah sees everything you do so all of your actions and your life how you live it you will try and make sure to the best of your ability that it is upon goodness because you know Allah knows everything about you and your life so if you do bad things and you say bad things and you swear and you lie etc then you know Allah is the all hearing he heard that Allah hears that Allah sees that Allah knows about that so by recognizing the importance of this and knowing the names and attributes of Allah that he is the all hearing the all seeing the all knowledgeable when you think about that then that will impact upon you to try and be better in your speech and in your actions so you got examples here قال الله تعالى ألم يعلم بأن الله يرى does he not know that indeed Allah sees do people not know that Allah sees sees you وقال تعالى إن ربك لبالمرصاد وقال تعالى واتقوا الله إن الله سميع عليم وقال تعالى اعملوا ما شئتم إنه بما تعملون بصير وقال واعلموا أن الله يعلم ما في أنفسكم فاحذروا all of these ayat telling you fear Allah indeed Allah is the all hearing the all seeing uh, do whatever you wish indeed he knows and is all seeing of it and uh, do what you do uh, or rather know that Allah knows what is in of yourselves so that's why even bad thoughts you will try and stop yourself from having 
bad thoughts and evil thoughts about things and bad imaginations about things because you know Allah knows everything so you'll try and control yourself in all of your affairs Qala ibn Rajab Qala ibn Rajab Rawada Rajulun Imraatan Fi fulatin Laylan Faabat Faqala laha Ma yarana illa alkawakib Faqalat Faayna mukawkibuha Ayna Allah Ala yarana فمنعها هذا العلم اقتراف هذا الذنب والوقوع في هذه الخطيئة It's mentioned that there was a man who attempted to engage in impermissible relations with a woman in a like an open desert in a desert in a deserted faraway place so she refused the man said nobody can see us here except the stars nobody can see us here except the stars so she said and what about the one who created the stars so this was indicating indeed Allah sees everything and so it prevented her from engaging in that sin or uh, performing that sin وَإِذَا عَلِمَ الْعَبْدِ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌّ كَرِيمٌ Another example now. First example was about tawakkul. You know that Allah is the ever-living, the one who provides and sustains and creates and gives life and death. So your tawakkul will be upon Him. Second example was Allah is the all-hearing, the all-seeing, the all-knowledgeable, and therefore you'll control your tongue and your actions and you'll do everything appropriately and in goodness knowing that Allah sees all of that third example now إِذَا عَلِمَ الْعَبْدِ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌّ كَرِيمٌ بَرٌّ رَحِيمٌ وَاسِعُ الْإِحْسَانِ وَأَنَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى مَعَ غِنَاهُ عَنْ عِبَادِهِ فَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ إِلَيْهِمْ رَحِيمٌ بِهِمْ يُرِيدُ بِهِمُ الْخَيْرِ وَيَكْشِفُ عَنْهُمُ الْضَرُّ وَلَا لِدَفْعِ مَضَرَّ بَلْ رَحْمَةً مِنْهُ وَإِحْسَانًا فَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ لَمْ يَخْلُقْ خَلْقَهُ لِيَتَكَثَّرْ بِهِمْ مِنْ قِلَّةٍ وَلَا لِيَعْتَزُّ بِهِمْ مِنْ ظِلَّةٍ وَلَا لِيَرْزُقُوهُ وَلَا لِيَنْفَعُوهُ وَلَا يَدْفَعُوا عَنْهُ كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنْسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَلَا وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقُ ذُو الْقُوَّةِ الْمَتِينِ If you know that Allah is غَنِيٌّ كَرِيمٌ غَنِيٌّ That Allah is completely self-sufficient, not in need of His creation at all. Allah is غَنِي He is not in need of the creation at all in any sense. Has no need for anything in creation. غَنِي and he is still Kareem, the generous. Why are those two mentioned together here? Because in humans, humans might sometimes be generous 
because they want to get something back. True? So sometimes humans, you might be generous because you need something back. So I might be generous to Yunus. I might be very generous to Yunus all the time. Invite him to dinner all the time. Give him presents all the time. Because I know he's very rich. MashaAllah. And I know that next month I want to ask him for 5,000 pounds loan. So this month and all this time I'm always good with him. Always invite him to dinner. Always invite him to my house. Do all of those things because I need something back. Here Allah is ghaniyun kareem. Allah is generous to his creation even though Allah needs absolutely nothing from creation. Allah is kind to us. Is that because Allah needs anything from us? Nothing. So here, ghaniyun kareem. When you recognize Allah is absolutely self-sufficient. Al-Qayyum. 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 Completely self-sufficient. The one who suffices others. He himself completely self-sufficient. But others are the ones who need, who are in need of Allah to suffice them. So he is the one who gives us, even though he needs nothing from us. He is kind to us, even though he needs nothing from us. He is generous to us, even though he needs nothing from us. And so that all gives you an understanding of the greatness of your Lord, of the generosity of your Lord, of the kindness of your Lord, that he needs nothing from creation, yet he shows us all of this kindness and generosity, that will surely put some feeling into you and understanding into you that you need to be righteous servants to your Lord, the one who gives you all of this mercy, gives you all of this generosity and kindness, even though he needs nothing from you. If every single person on the face of the earth Allah mentioned if all of you jinn and humans from the beginning to the end, if every single one of you was the most righteous person, everyone, upon the most righteous heart of an individual, everybody upon the worship of Allah, upon the obedience to Allah, every single person, would that help Allah? Would that give something back to Allah? Would it make his kingdom bigger? Nothing. All of the people from beginning to end were upon the most righteous state. It would not increase the kingdom of Allah in any way. So Allah is not in need of us. And that's why Allah says, I did not create the jinn or the humans except for them to just worship me. To worship Allah. Allah says then, مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقِ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ I don't want 
any sustenance from them or that they feed me. Allah does not require anything from us. Inna Allah huwa razzaqu dhul quwwatil mateen. Indeed Allah, He is the provider. He is the one of strength. He is the powerful dhul quwwatil mateen. Wa qala ta'ala, قُلِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِّنَ الذُّلِّ وَكَبِّرْهُ تَكْبِيرًا وقال تعالى فيما رواه عنه رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا عبادي إنكم لن تبلغوا نفعي فتنفعوني ولن تبلغوا ضري فتضروني إن بحديث قدسي what is a hadith Qudsi? Some hadith, they are called hadith Qudsi. Normally a hadith is from who? Who says the hadith? From the Prophet Muhammad But a hadith Qudsi is a hadith that the Prophet says directly from Allah. So Allah is the one that hadith is associated to. So Allah says in a hadith, that my servants, you will never get to the level when you can benefit me. And you will never get to the level when you can harm me. You can never get to a level where you benefit or harm Allah. Allah is not in need of anything from us. But despite all of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us his great generosity, great kindness, great mercy not needing anything from us but still gives us all of that and so a person recognizes surely that humbles his heart surely that humbles his heart before his lord and puts humility into his heart before his lord a recognition of the need for him to worship his lord so this is these are the types of these are the types of benefits a person reaches through knowing these names and attributes of allah فَإِذَا عَلِمَ الْعَبْدِ And what's the point of all of this? Dhikr. If you know all of these names and attributes of Allah, then you are upon a greater form of dhikr than people who don't. You are upon the remembrance of Allah in a way other people are not. Because you recognize who your Lord is and other people do not. فَإِذَا عَلِمَ الْعَبْدِ ذَلِكَ أَثْمَرَ فِيهِ قُوَّةَ الرَّجَاءِ قُوَّةْ رَجَائِهِ بِاللَّهِ وَطَمْعِهِ فِيمَا عِنْدَهِ وَإِنْزَالْ جَمِيعِ حَوَائِجِهِ بِهِ وَإِظْهَارْ إِفْتِقَارِهِ إِلَيْهِ وَإِحْتِيَاجِهِ لَهِ When a person realizes that Allah doesn't need anything from us but He gives us all these things then your hope will be stronger in Allah You will have your hope in Allah and you will direct all of your needs to Allah Allah says, Ya ayyuhannas, antumul fuqara'u ila Allah. Wallahu huwa al-ghaniyul hamid. That, O oh people, you are the poor ones in front of Allah. You are the ones in poverty before your Lord. You need from Allah. But Allah is al-ghaniy, the self-sufficient, not in need of anyone. Al-hamid, the praiseworthy. Wal-raja'a, يُثْمِرُ أَنْوَاعِ الْعُبُودِيَّةِ الظَّاهِرَةِ وَالْبَاطِنَةِ بِحَسَدْ مَعْرِفَةِ الْعَبْدِ وَعِلْمِهِ And this hope 
it will bring about into fruition various forms of worship apparent and hidden in accordance to the level of your recognition and understanding of the names and attributes of Allah in accordance to the level of your understanding and recognition of the names and attributes of Allah that will determine your level of love and fear and hope in Allah وَإِذَا عَلِمَ الْعَبْدُ بِعَدْلِ اللَّهِ This is another example now. If a servant knows about the level of justice from Allah, the absolute justice from Allah, a person knows the level of absolute justice from Allah. وَانْتِقَامِهِ وَغَضَبِهِ وَسَخَطِهِ وَعُقُوبَتِهِ And a person knows about the anger of Allah, and the displeasure of Allah and the, the punishment of Allah that comes upon them. If you know that Allah is Shadidul Iqab, fear Allah and know that Allah is the most severe in punishment. Allah is the most severe in punishment. You know that the punishment will occur. You know that Allah has prepared that punishment for the disbelievers in the hellfire. For those people who were disobedient, punishment has been prepared for them. And it is the most severe of punishment. And Allah is the most stern in that punishment. Then this will enable you or give you an encouragement to make sure that you stay away from things that displease Allah so that you do not end up in the punishment of Allah so that you do not end up in the punishment of Allah so when you read in Allah shadidul iqab Fear Allah and know that you are going to be resurrected to Him. You're going to be resurrected. Everybody's going to be raised up on the day of judgment. And Allah will do your accountability. You know that. Then you have a fear. A fear. Of falling into the haram and the wrongs. You fear that you may end up in that punishment. And so you try your best to stay away from the things that displease Allah and from that punishment of Allah but a person who doesn't recognize this doesn't know Allah is shadidul iqab punishes those with severe punishment doesn't see these uh, descriptions in the Quran then that person his fear is going to be small compared to the one who sees and thinks about this and recognizes the severity of the punishment of Allah وَإِذَا عَلِمَ الْعَبْدُ بِجَلَالِ اللَّهِ وَعَظَمَتِهِ وَعَلُوِّهِ عَلَى خَلْقِهِ ذَاتًا وَقَهْرًا وَقَدَرًا فَإِنَّ هَذَا يُثْمِرُ لَهُ الْخُضُوعَ وَالْإِسْتِكَانَةِ وَالْمَحَبَّةِ وَجَمِيعَ أَنْوَاعِ الْعِبَادَةِ Similarly, when you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know the might and the majesty of Allah and the highness of Allah because where is Allah? 
of the seven heavens above all of the creation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know he is the most high and he is the one with the control over and everything he has the control over everything and everything which happens is because of what Allah decrees for it to happen when you recognize those types of things then it gives you a greater level of submission to your Lord humility before your Lord when you are in prostration subhana rabbi al-a'la my Lord is the most high but you are in prostration where you are low down submission from the servant to his Lord humility from the servant to his Lord وَالْأَرْضُ جَمِيعًا قَبْضَتُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتُ مَطْوِيَّاتٌ بِيَمِينِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى عَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ All of these ayat now, talking about the highness of Allah, the power of Allah, the all capability of Allah. They see all of these things, the power, the might, the capability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah is the most high. Inna Allah kana aliyyan kabira. Wa ma qadaru Allah haqqa qadari. That they have not given the due right to Allah. On that day, all of this creation, the heavens and the earth, will be rolled up into the hand of Allah. Grasped in the hand of Allah. All of these heavens and the earth rolled up into the hand of Allah. Subhanahu. Subhanahu, what does that mean? Subhanallah. We're going to get to it later. There's a full chapter on the meaning of Subhanallah. A full chapter on the meaning of Alhamdulillah. A full chapter on the meaning of Allahu Akbar. A full chapter on the meaning of La ilaha illallah. These famous statements and forms of dhikr. But briefly, what does Subhanahu mean? Glory be to Allah. That's the classical translation back to the glittery things from the olden days again. You remember the olden days they used to have those stickers. The stickers they used to have 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Those stickers, you might still find them around now. Glittery, not like glitter paper like you glitter these days, not that glitter, but like shining. And you used to say, La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. Subhanallah, glory be to Allah. And there were stickers, green and silver. Glory be to Allah, you know. Glory be to Allah, they say. Subhanallah, glory be to Allah. But what does that mean? Glory be to Allah doesn't really explain it. Glory, when they say Subhanallah means glory be to Allah, what they mean properly is that Allah is Munazzah عن النقائس والعيوب 
that he is free of any type of shortcomings and deficiencies. Subhanallah means that Allah is the mighty, the majestic with no weaknesses, shortcomings, deficiencies, nothing. No dispraiseworthiness whatsoever. That's subhanallah. May Allah be free uh, from any type of dispraiseworthiness, any type of uh, shortcoming, any type of error. Subhanallah. So glory be to Allah doesn't really explain the meaning. But that's what they say. But it doesn't explain it properly. So the point here is, when you see all of these narrations, then this gives you a feeling of humility before your Lord. A feeling of submission before your Lord. That is the chapter there then. Regarding what benefit you get in knowing the names and attributes of Allah. And how that helps you in the remembrance of Allah. You can see different types of names and attributes when you recognize them, understand them. It will bring into fruition, it will bring about greater, uh, greater amounts and increases in your worship, in your love for Allah, in your fear for Allah, in your hope in Allah, in your trust in Allah. That is what it does and that is the purpose of it. In learning and knowing the names and attributes of Allah, that is the fruits of it. So that is what the chapter has explained. The next chapter is now going to explain Al-ilmu bi asma'illahi wa sifatihi wa manhaj ahli sunnah fi thalika This chapter is an important chapter now because it's going to explain the method, in brief, the methodology of ahli sunnah with regards to understanding the names and attributes of Allah. What is the methodology of Ahlus Sunnah in understanding the names and attributes of Allah? In summary, what you can say, in summary, what you can say, the principle of Ahlus Sunnah regarding the names and attributes of Allah. مذهب أهل السنة والجماعة يقوم في هذا الباب على أصلين عظيمين وأساسين متينين ما هما؟ Two great principles في الأسماء والصفات It is الإثبات بلا affirmation without what? الإثبات بلا sort of so الإثبات affirming the names and attributes of Allah بلا بلا تمثيل الإثبات بلا تمثيل والتنزيه بلا تعطيل that's the core. Affirming the names and attributes of Allah, but without making any similarities between creation. And the second side of it, declaring Allah free of any shortcomings and dispraiseworthiness, freeing Allah from any type of shortcoming, but not to the level whereby you start to negate the names and attributes of Allah. Affirm them without making comparisons and resemblances. 
negate the shortcomings and deficiencies without ending up negating altogether the names and attributes. Affirmation without resemblance, negation without, or, uh, not negation, uh, the tanzih. Uh, Freeing Allah from imperfection without negating the names and attributes. Because what do the people of innovation do? They said we need to make tanzih. Al-Mu'attila. They say we make tanzih of Allah from the ayub and the, 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 uh, all the different types of shortcomings. But they went so far. Ghalaw. Ghulu. So far in the tanzih, they fell into waqa'u fi they began to negate the names and attributes of Allah. The other side, the mushabbiha, they said, al-ithbat, ithbat, ithbat. Until they made tamthil between Allah, tashbih, between Allah and the creation. They said, yadullah ka yadi. Wrong. So you make affirmation, al-ithbat, bila tamthil. Affirm the names and attributes, but no comparisons. Wat tanzih, bila ta'atil. And you remove Allah from those deficiencies, free Allah from any deficiencies, but without rejecting the names and attributes though. Because the people of innovation thought, you cannot make tanzih without negating the names and attributes. They said that's the only way to make tanzih, to reject ta'atil of the names and attributes. Because they said, Allah has a hand, yadullah. They said, but hand, yad. They said, this is tashbih. So how, what do we do? They said, لَا بُدَّ مِنْ تَنْزِيهِ إِلَّا مِنَ التَّشْبِيهِ So how? تعطيل ما لو يد They say, it doesn't have a hand then. We can't say it has a hand. تعطيل of the asma of the sifat. So that is the basics. Affirm them, but don't compare to creation. Reject the shortcomings, but don't negate the names and attributes. Two key principles there to begin with. That's what we'll have to round off on today. But we'll start with these principles again. Or in fact... No, no, that's right. Next week, next week. Inshallah, next week, we'll carry on and we'll begin with these principles. Remember these two principles. We're going to carry on from this point, mentioning some more of the principles on the names and attributes. Uh, and then we'll talk about some of the characteristics that Allah has mentioned. For example, all of the names are husna, are beautiful and perfect. And we'll talk about the names of Allah and the meanings of them and how they help you.